Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. I am Andrew Kahn. I'm Ryan Zook. I'm Aaron McMahon. In this week's episode, we will preview this week's NFL Draft how many Michigan players will be selected and win, plus some recruiting and transfer news, all that and more on this episode of the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. Guys, how are you doing? I'm just enjoying this snowy Tuesday. How about you guys? Wait, it's snowing outside? Uh, it's snowing where I am, yeah. Oh, not where I'm at, man. Oh, all right, all right. Duke's out in the woods. He's out in farm country. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, hanging in there, ready for the NFL draft. We're it's going to be interesting to see. It. It's the one sporting event going on, and it's going to be held virtually. Which I've seen. I saw a little bit on Twitter yesterday that oh yeah, the first the run through practice round went smoothly, and then some other people were reporting that it was an absolute disaster. So we'll see how how this transpires starting Thursday night. Yeah. Well, I guess that's why they do a test run, right? To make sure they get all those glitches out and everything. Yeah. I well, we, we know from this podcast, you know, <laughs> like how <laughs> thing we, what we've learned over the, over the years at this point, I guess you can say. Um, yeah. So maybe, maybe we can uh, give them some tips. I don't know what, what platforms they're using for this, but um, yeah, it should be interesting. And Michigan should be well represented. Uh, a lot of Wolverines will be taken um, right off the bat. I'm going to throw out a number. And over under for number of Wolverines who will be taken total draft. There's seven rounds to this thing, seven and a half. What do you like? I'll start. I'm I'm taking the under there for sure. So I think I think there will be six players drafted. I'm going. I'm going over. Um, I, and I, I think I said this to you guys before we started recording, but you know, it's almost seemed like every year when we talk about this stuff, we talk about the guys that could get drafted or could not. And Michigan, always, I mean, to me, at least last year, for perfect example, you know, we didn't think Jack Gentry was going to go when he ended up going in the fifth round. So I'm going over. I got as many as nine guys, I think, could go off the board. I've, um, set, a, I've set a great line then. I mean, I've set a line where my I, I've got half bets on one side, <laughs> half the other, and I, I will collect my rake and uh, start building my empire here. Uh, yeah, so inter- interesting. Because there are, there are how many? How many we got truly draft eligible that you're seeing possibly could be drafted? As many as? I got 13. I mean, there's 13, to me, draft eligible guys. Those are guys whose eligibility expired and or got invites to the NFL Combine and or got invites to the Senior Bowl and the East-West Shrine Game. So to me, those are the guys that are most likely to go or if they, if they were to get drafted. So Michigan's got as many as, you know, 13, which is, which is a lot. I, I remember yeah. when we... 
when the week into the comp, the week going into the combine, uh, Michigan I think it's the sec- had the second most. They were tied for the second most invitees. So I mean, Michigan could you could see a lot of guys go this this week, or you may not. But I, I, I'm leaning toward the over. <laughs> Zook, who I mean, are I your think, six? Who are your six? I'm so r- r- right now, I have the, yeah. the locks. You have Ruiz, Uche, DPJ. Bredesen and probably Lavert Hill, and then one of maybe I mean, okay, maybe McCune and Runyon or yeah, I've got or Metellus. I don't see. I I I don't. I've got all three of those guys and Michael Onwenu and Onwenu. Obviously, he got an invite to the Shrine game. He didn't go to the, or he was at the combine. He's he's. I mean, I think size wise, I think is an intrigue some teams. Uh, and that's the thing with the draft. I mean, you, you you truly don't know. I mean, we're all speculating at this point because it's. You know, all it takes, and I've said this to guys before, when, when, when you're projecting where a guy may go or if he goes, all it takes is one team to like a player. If one team likes one guy for one particular reason, he may go in the seventh round when they may, be, may have been projected to, to not be drafted. So it's, it's really a, it's a, it's a, it's a toss-up. You, you really don't know. So I've got as many as nine. All those guys you mentioned, I've got. And, and perhaps some of the others go. I mean, you never know. Yeah. So it's yeah. interesting. I started doing like, all right, who are the locks? And then who are the, but there was, there were so few locks and so, so many, um, you know, could and could not, that it was hard to distinguish among those names that I, <clears throat> I actually, in the end, I got Bredesen Hill, uh, Peoples Jones, Ruiz and Uche. Those are five names you both yeah. mentioned, but then I had Metellus, which you both mentioned as possibilities and Hudson even as, you know, kind of on that, that got me to, that got me to seven. Um, and then, you know, that's why I ended up setting it seven and a half because, you know, while a couple of those guys could even be not considered locks, especially Hudson, you've got Dana, you've got Shea Patterson, you got Glasgow, Owenu, Runyon and McCune. Those are, you know, like you said, six others that, that all could be, um, so I'm like, all right, one or two of those. That's how I came up with my number. I, who, who do I think is more likely? I, I don't know. Sometimes I think linemen, you know, there's just more of them on the field and, um, you know, maybe there's more upside with a guy like Oweno for his kind of agility and, and size and things like that. Um, Glasgow's got like the pedigree, pedigree and can you know he can be a jack of all trades special teams guy. Patterson's got the recruiting rank, you know, but that's going back now several years. I, I don't know. So yeah, Sue, let me hear. The, the the two guys I just have a hard time seeing getting drafted in any capacity is Glasgow and Mike Dana. I mean, I okay. just don't think they. Uh, I think Dan is too small to to really to be worth a draft pick, and then Glasgow. I mean, if he's if they NFL team see him as a safety, it's I feel like that's the definition of a project undrafted free agent signing type of guy. That, that uh, I mean, he, he's not going to play linebacker at the NFL level, and I don't think he's at all fast enough to um, at this point to to play safety. But yeah, I could see him being a special teamers. But unless you're the Patriots, how many teams are are going to be drafting guys? To, to fill a special teams role. So that, you, that's just my two cents. You made a good point. And really hurting Dan on Glasgow, or A, they didn't get combine invites. But not only did they not get combine invites, but they didn't have a pro day to work out right. in front of. So, you know, both of them, both of them did get invites to the East West Shrine game. So they did get they did get their names put out there and they did talk to some NFL teams. But it was only a select few, it was only a hand few, and it wasn't it wasn't at the, you know, the huge show that is the senior bowl or the combine. So it, it really hurt them not having the pro day in the combine. And I think in a, in a, in, and this is important to remember too, with this draft, it, almost no few, there, there are only a handful of schools across the country held their pro days. So a lot of these guys on the fringe of maybe getting drafted, didn't get their name put out in front of these scouts. 
So it, it, it's going to be interesting come the late rounds, I think, day three, you know, five, six, you know, round seven, where typically a lot of these, these teams are, are taking team guys off of maybe they tested well at the, at the combine but didn't have a ton of tape. So I, I'm curious to see where it goes late rounds, where some guys you may not think in a normal year would get drafted maybe do just because some of these teams relying on, on a game film and, you know, a Michigan, obviously Michigan plays in the big tents or playing better competition. So teams are going to hedge their bets and, and take them maybe more, more proven guy than the, the, the guy you, you just don't know about. Right. So I, I, like, I will, maybe uh, that helps. With you. I don't know. I mean, let I mean, to be devil's advocate here a little bit, let's go back into uh, recent history and see how many guys Michigan has drafted. I mean, yeah, they had 11 in 2017, but outside of that, I mean, they had five last year, but only two in 2018, uh, three in 2016, three in 2015, three in 14, two in 2013, three in yeah, 2012. You're going back, so, I mean, the previous coaches yeah. and stuff, too. Right, all right. Yeah. But I mean, so it's very rare to see, at least for Michigan, to have more than six, seven um, guys be, be drafted. But again, and this year is going to be, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how team strategies change. Um, with so much, so many unknowns heading in into the draft as well. Is that going to bode well for Michigan, or is that going to hurt a lot of these fringe guys? We'll we'll have to see. Your, your analysis is affecting the betting markets. Uh, money is pouring in on the under. I have to lower it six and a half now. New number six and a half. Um, yeah, I mean to be clear, I, I guess I'd see five. I know I said I didn't see all that many locks. I really do think Bredesen, Ben Bredesen, Bredesen lineman, Laverde Hill, cornerback. Donovan Peoples-Jones, wide receiver, Cesar Ruiz, center, Josh Uche, Uche, uh, linebacker, defensive end. <laughs> this is this has been a debate now uh, in the NFL draft circles for weeks here. Uh, as five guys that I really think will be drafted. And then Hudson, Metellus, Jay Patterson, Unwenyu, and Runyon as like some group of that other five. So I know you said you didn't see Mike Dana and Jordan Glasgow getting drafted. I don't either. I don't see Sean McCune either. I mean, I know you kind of got the blueprint last year with uh, – with the tight end getting drafted, help me. I'm drawing a blank on the Gentry. Zach Gentry. Zach Gentry. But I mean, he had that, you know, thing you couldn't teach that just massive size that I think teams are, all, there's always going to be some team out there that just likes that thinks I, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a tight ends coach that says I can work with this guy. I can make him, you know, into a productive NFL player. And, and um, he was more big. productive at the college level too. Then right. Than there you go. So McCune, McCune is big and has some production, but, but yeah, lesser than Gentry did, who was, you know, a later round pick. So, um, you know, and every year is different. I get it, but those are three guys I probably don't see getting picked, but again, you know, you can, you can still find your way into the league. Um, and sometimes it's, it can be, can be better to, I know they say this in basketball, Correct me if I'm wrong, but it would apply to football too, where you can kind of assess your spot. I mean, it's good to know a team wanted you and used a valuable asset, a draft pick, to select you and to to get your rights. But you know, also kind of evaluating rosters, seeing which which team might be a good fit, uh, is not necessarily a terrible thing either. If you want to go that route, I mean, a lot of these guys are talking with teams right now, and I, I guarantee you, there's some teams that are saying, "Hey, look." Uh, probably won't spend a draft pick on you, but if, if as soon as the draft's over and you're still available, I mean, you're gonna your phone call, your phone is gonna be ringing, and we'd like to get something done with you too. So a lot of these guys will probably definitely get a, a shot at an NFL job. Um, to, uh, to who at this point is still still up in the air, but I'm sure, yeah, if there was an over under on how many of these guys are gonna sign, it's it's gonna be a lot higher. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, it, and as I said earlier, Michigan had. They, 
I, I had to go back and look, but you know, they, they sent they sent uh, eleven guys to the, the combine, and I think that was a I think that was a record under Jim Harbaugh. It's been it's the most in a long time. So Michigan, in terms of preparing a lot of these guys for the NFL, I, I think they're they're a step ahead. Um, now it's gonna, it's going to see where, where they fall, and and I think at this point it looks like Caesar Ruiz will be the first one off the board. Um, That's so almost I don't want to say a given, but it's it's pretty clear at this point that. He's probably going to be going in the first round now. He's maybe as high as uh, his late teens or early twenties as well. Yeah, I mean, he was coming in when after he declared. Um, I think he, at that point he was considered maybe a fringe first rounder. A lot of folks had him in the second round or late first. And as the weeks have gone on, he's, he's slowly moved off the board. Uh, ESPN's Mel Kuyper had him going in his last mock draft in twenty-seven at Baltimore Ravens. Uh, Daniel Jeremiah of NFL Network had him going thirty-two to the Kansas City Chiefs. And several CBS guys and other mocks have him going in the first round, too. Uh, so Ruiz, who left school a year early, he, he could have come back for another season, um, opted to leave, and, and he's looks like he's gonna pay it's gonna pay dividends for him. Uh, he's unique because I think uh, we heard this name thrown a lot, thrown, we heard this term thrown around a lot at the combine from Michigan guys, versatility. And that's something NFL teams look at when they're they're um, you know looking at guys and and figuring out what they can do with them and where they might be able to take them. And, and Ruiz is unique because obviously he's a center. He played two years of center at Michigan, but he also has experience playing guard. Uh, so I think teams like that. And I think that's certainly helped his draft stock as opposed to a Ben Bredesen who pay, played guard all four years at Michigan and, and is considered the number one guard available. Um, there just isn't a, 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 there isn't a, the demand for a, a pure guard in this year's draft, it appears. So I think that's why you're seeing the difference between Ruiz, who's a fringe first rounder, looking like a likely first rounder, and Ben Bredesen, who at this point is looking looking like he's more of a, a day two, early day three guy, third to fifth round guy. So it's um, from from a ceiling perspective, teams like Ruiz a lot more, and it looks like at this point he's even the first one off the board. And I think the consensus with with Ruiz too is, I mean, he would be considered a, a safe pick, as safe as you can for an NFL pick. That he would be, I mean, you kind of know what you're going to get with him. He could be a, a sturdy steady lineman in at the NFL level at the NFL level um, and, and teams especially in this draft are, are looking for <laughs> whatever they know what they want to know what they're getting early on because there's gonna be a lot of wild cards later on in the draft absolutely yeah okay so just to, to lay it out uh, Thursday night is when it starts we've got just the the first round that's all that's going to be airing on Thursday it's all taking place um, and then same thing Friday is Solely the second round, right? Another prime time. Second and third. Second, second and, third. and third. Okay. And then and then the remainder Saturday. Okay. So how many how many Wolverines do you think are going to be called then uh, if you're tuning in Friday night, second and third rounds? I could see probably as many as three at this point. Um, Josh Uche is looking like a second round pick at this at this juncture. He was he was almost a fringe first rounder a month or two ago. Um, I think what hurt him. He had a really good senior bowl week. And that's something we talked about a lot, you know, a month, a couple months back where he impressed NFL teams, impressed the Lions coaching staff. Uh, he was considered one of the top edge rushers, linebackers come out of that week. He's played, just practiced well, played well. The issue was he didn't, he didn't test much at the combine and they didn't have his pro day to work out. So I think that hurt him, but it looks like he's going to be a sucker on guy. I would expect him to be the second Michigan guy off the board. Um, he's unique because there's been a lot of debate <laughs> especially the last month or two among NFL draft analysts of, mm-hmm. of whether or not he was utilized enough in Michigan yes. and where he kind of fits in. I mean, we, he was, he was listed as, as we all know, he was listed as Michigan listed him as a linebacker, but he played the hybrid end 
linebacker, edge rusher type type role. And up until this past season, he just didn't play a ton. I mean, Michigan utilized him in a specialist role where he came in and rushed the, the quarterback and basically on third down passing situations. Um, he played a little bit more this past season, as we all saw. Uh, he was playing more, more as an every down linebacker. But again, there's question marks whether he can do that at the NFL level. And, and that's, that's the concern. I think that's what's hurting um, his draft stock at this point. Now, he's, I think, a, a solid day two guy at this, at, at this point. Um, but had he shown more? And, and and shown he could be an every down linebacker. He he could be a fringe. He could have been a fringe first rounder. Right. And some, sometimes it's po- one sec here, Ron, because I want to ask Aaron this and both of you guys is that, uh, you know, sometimes it's it's kind of positive for the player. It's like, hey, you know, this guy he he's got some upside. He can be he can be even better at the pro level than maybe you saw at college. I feel like some of the comments that are coming out from scouts and, and NFL teams are almost disparaging Michigan in this regard. They're saying, why wasn't he? It's not even attacking Uche so much as and, and talking about his, his, his future potential, but so much as what, what was the coaching staff doing? They weren't utilizing him properly. Even. I mean, are you getting that vibe? And do you think that's, that's fair in any way from, you know, covering him? It was, yeah, it was a point that was brought up the other day by uh, NFL Network's Daniel Jeremiah. Uh, and then it's been brought up anonymously and other, another, from other outlets talking to anonymous NFL scouts. They're, they're wondering, they're questioning why Uche wasn't used more in every down situation just because of his, his bull rushing speed and his ability to get around the edge. Um, the, the issue, and is it fair? Yeah, I think it's a fair question. The problem is, or not the problem, but what I think hurt Uche was Don Brown plays this unique position where he likes to utilize these hybrid roles. You see the Viper with the hybrid linebacker safety, and you've got the Sam linebacker, which which what Uche was, where he's, he's, an, he's a hybrid end linebacker. So Don Brown's defense, I think, is a unique one, and it's, it's not utilized a ton at the NFL level. So when you're trying to, you know, gauge whether these guys can make the jump from John Brown's defense to the NFL. It, it's it's a valid, I think it's a valid question, but I, I don't know. I think NFL teams would have liked to have seen them play more just because it would, I think it would help their, their, you know, right. their judgment of him. Um, but, you know, it's same token, you know, Michigan wanted to play a certain way. Don Brown wanted to play a certain way. And that's how they wanted to play him. And to Uche's credit, he hasn't really been, he hasn't been very critical of Don Brown at all. You know, he, he, he did say, you know, a year or two ago after the 2017 season, he went to Don, specifically and was asking what do i need to do to get on the field what do i need to do to play more and, and i think that was the um that kind of helped open the door to him getting more opportunities um but to, like i said Uche's credit he, he could have transferred in fact he said he wanted to at the combine he considered it um but he, he decided to stay uh, and it's i guess you could say it's paid off now you, you wonder if he would go on to another another defense another team maybe he would have played more he would have flourished better you know you don't know um, but no i think it's a valid question it, it's a valid concern um, at the end of the day, though, I think Uche is still going to get drafted. He'll still get drafted relatively high, and it's going to be up to him to, to, to show that he can, he can be that every down linebacker in the NFL. Yeah, I think Aaron hit the nail right on the head there with uh, with with that. Yeah, no, it's just it has been has been interesting to see, and obviously Michigan's defense overall has been very good under Don Brown, save for its performances against its chief rival in the last game of the regular season now, several years in a row. Um, and that is a game that I, I have seen some of these scouts uh, uh, point to. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's been interesting. And then you've got, you've got some of these, again, we, we talked about how many guys were, could be drafted late, um, you know, kind of just up in the air. Maybe you could each give me a guy, whether you want to do on either side of the ball or, or just overall, you know, someone that you think has, uh, 
you know, maybe a little more upside than, than people are giving them credit for that you think could be a, a you know, a contributor at the NFL level for, for several years. Start with you, Ryan. Yeah, I don't know about upside. I just think he's an interesting prospect is Donathan Peoples-Jones just because, I mean, the receiver class is so deep this year um, that, I mean, in a typical year, he might be a, a top 10 receiver, but with 12 to 15 guys that could go in the first three rounds, our team's going to want the the college guy that was productive at the college level, and you can kind of see, hey, we, we can see this guy fitting in and being productive right away or take the guy with uh, some freak athleticism like Donovan Peoples-Jones, um, who tested well at the at the combine and, and has um, the high pedigree as a f- former five-round draft pick and, and um, has, to, has a lot of upside, but you just don't know what production you're going to be getting just because you kind of feel like there was more there at, at the college level. So I think he is going to be uh, – he could go from a, be a, a day two pick in round three or go to round five, six. It's it's going to be tough to see um, where he kind of falls in that pecking order of receivers in this draft. Yeah, you, I think you hit it. Peoples-Jones is not the safe pick when it comes to a receiver. I and mean, with the crowded fields in front of him, it's gonna—it's certainly going to hurt his draft stock. It's been stated that it will. And it, you almost wonder if, if Donovan you know, uh, regrets decide, you know, declaring for the draft this year and, and not coming back for one more year. Um, I don't know if his production would have improved much in 2020 just because you know Nico Collins is coming back, Ronnie Bell's back. They got a bunch of slot guys that are ready to go with the, with the offense. Um, but just by, by numbers, I, I think Donovan Peoples-Jones just taking the hit because, like you mentioned, there's so many receivers available. Um, he does have a huge upside. I mean, like you mentioned, he tested off the charts at the combine. He impressed, but he's done that before. I mean, he was, a, he was considered an athletic freak coming out of high school with a huge upside coming into Michigan. And while he did produce, I mean, he had some good numbers at times. He, 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 he played pretty well. He just wasn't that, that five-star superstar that some folks projected him to be. And you're starting to see the similar projections in the NFL. I mean, we got off a call with Kirk Herbstreit from ESPN uh, yesterday, Monday, and he was saying some of the same things you heard uh, from Donovan Jones coming out of high school, that he, he could be a number two or number three receiver at the NFL. He has the athleticism. He has the, um, the talent. He just has to show it. So it, 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 I think it's harder to do that at the NFL level than it is at college, but he's going to get an opportunity. I mean, he is athletic, and I think that helps him. Uh, to answer your question, Andrew, I, I have a unique name, I, I think, who will probably surprise some folks and do better at the NFL level than, than you might think. John Runyon. Um, obviously, his father, we all know his father played at the NFL. He was, a, he was an all-pro um, all all guard. It's interesting because Runyon obviously played most of his, his Michigan career at tackle. He's played some guard. I think that versatility will help him. Uh, you know, when we spoke to him at the, at the combine, he thought he was more of a natural guard at the NFL level. He'd be more of a guard. He'd, he'd flourish better there. But the same token teams are telling him that don't don't get off tackle just yet. Um, you know, he's yet we know he's a, has experience, he's athletic, he moves pretty well laterally. Um, so I'm curious to see where he he falls. I do have him as one of my guys getting drafted. I do think he will. He'll probably be late, um, but I think he'll get a shot. A based off him coming out of Michigan and and his final couple of years at Michigan. He was, a, he was a two-time all big 10 guy, offensive lineman. His dad, we, we know his dad played at the NFL level. He was, he was a pretty good player there. Um, so I think that's going to help run in. I think as, as time goes on, I think he could be a serviceable um, rotational offensive lineman at the NFL level and he could last a while too. So I, I think I've running as my, my guy who I think could, could exceed expectations. Very interesting. One name we haven't really talked about too much is Shea Patterson, the quarterback, uh, you know, obviously got a ton of coverage, 
you know, here at his time as Michigan. But I, I think the reason uh, for listeners who are wondering, he hasn't gotten much, much discussion here is that, I mean, it takes a, it's just another level to be quarterback at the NFL. There's only one on the field, obviously each game or, you know, at a time at least. Uh, and then, you know, only two or three, you know, you're carrying on your roster. That's just not that many people in the world that are going to say that they could be an NFL quarterback. Um, you know, is, is Patterson among them, you know, where does he rank among his peers coming out in this draft? And then, you know, how many of those guys are going to, you know, supplant guys already in the league and, you know, not just at starters, but in those backup positions, just, you know, do the math, look at these numbers. And it doesn't necessarily bode well for, for a guy who, again, like people's Jones, five-star, you know, at a, at a high school, number one quarterback, I believe in, in the class. Um, but yeah, never, never really, uh, you know, reach that, reach that potential at the college level and, and probably not, not beyond either, but he's always got baseball to fall back on. He, at this point, I don't think he's in the top 10 at the quarterback position. Most mock boards I have don't have him in the top 10. They even have well, Iowa's quarterback, Nate Stanley, who, uh, whose numbers weren't as good as, as, as Patterson's in college um, ahead of, ahead of Shea. So Shea at this point, if he does get drafted, I think it's going to be late. And, and I will say there are folks close to Shea who believe he has the potential fifth to seventh round, seventh round guy. Um, but at this point, it's, it's going to come down to a numbers game, I think, whether uh, when those, those quarterbacks ahead of him go and in what order. And at, at the end of the draft, the need, is there, a, is there a team that A, needs a quarterback or wants a quarterback? Then he might go. But if not, I have a hard time seeing Shea Patterson getting drafted. Uh, he just didn't – I don't think he showed enough um, at the college level. His senior year, this past year, 2019, I don't, was I think a disappointment for many. Obviously, he, he put up the numbers, but he just wasn't the same Shea Patterson we saw in 2018. Now, whether that was the offense changing or his injury the first half of the season, uh, it, it's unclear. But you know, Shea just wasn't that superstar quarterback that, that folks thought he was going to be when he came in. Absolutely. Aaron mentioned this too, in his draft series profile and all, all of Michigan's uh, draft prospects. Uh, and I, I wrote about this a little bit when I was compiling the some Michigan top 10 leaders in program history and um, just looking at Shea Patterson in the Michigan record books. I mean, he has had two of the some of the top passing yard seasons and touchdown seasons in program history, which you think about it, it sounds pretty crazy just because uh, I think fans were definitely left wanting more from him. Um, but what, like Aaron said, you know, he doesn't really pass the, the eye test of his play on the field. Um, and how that translates to the to the NFL level. So I think he was a good college quarterback, but mm-hmm. I just don't think he that that doesn't always mean you're going to be a good NFL quarterback or even an NFL quarterback. Period. Or period. He could see him maybe playing in the I don't, can't say XFL anymore, but uh, what, CFL, uh, yeah. CFL or, or going overseas or and yeah, he he does uh, still have. Um, <laughs> baseball to fall back on if he does want to try the minor league route and build a baseball career. But um, yeah, you never know. Some team will tr- may, might draft him late or, or sign him, and, and maybe they see something in him that they can work with and develop and go from there. But we'll the, knock, the knock against Shea is his, his, his arm strength. And I think we saw that times at Michigan where he couldn't, complete the deep ball, the ball, you know, if he threw the ball, you know, down the field to, to Nico Collins, whatever, it was often behind Nico. He had to turn around, stop, turn around and catch the ball. Um, accuracy has been an issue with Shea Patterson. Though, you know, to Shea's defense, you know, especially this past season, 2019, he had an inordinate number of drops from his receivers. He didn't get much help. I think that that hurt him. Um, so there's, there's, there's questions there. 
Um, you know, so it's it's uh, the one thing I think that does help Shea is the, the way the NFL game is changing. Uh, it, it is, I think, catering more toward the mobile quarterbacks to his type of his type of play. So I think that might help him. But we'll see. I mean, he's still got to prove that he can he can handle an NFL offense. He can be successful there and and show that he can he can make all the throws. And that, that's a question mark at this point. And I think it's going to continue to be until he proves himself on, on a regular basis. And he just he wasn't able to do that at Michigan. All right. Well, you can tune into the NFL draft starting Thursday night. I think one of you, I think it was Ryan, called it. You know, it's the only sporting event we got going. It's not called a sporting event. I mean, it's not. There's still not competition in games, but it's a sports related. All right, it's an event, I suppose. Fine. Television event. And, and if you, if you want to, you know, come join me, I'll be hosting a live chat for all three days. So head to MLive.com. We'll be getting um, some analysis and updated stories for, um, for the NFL draft, for not just U of M guys, but for anyone from, um, from the state of Michigan. So you can kind of stay up to date with all the local news of the NFL draft there starting on, starting on Thursday. There you go. Uh, We'll close with uh, a story you you just you just published, Ryan, about uh, the Michigan uh, softball academy. Um, it is still happening, despite the fact that it's not happening. Uh, I guess if you could just you know quickly uh, tell us about that. Yeah, I mean it, the Michigan softball academy has been a, a staple of the Michigan softball program for the past ten years now. Uh, every year they they kind of hold a an on field event where you you. Uh, participants learn from the certain aspects of the game from the players and, and the coaching staff. And it's to raise money for, for the American cancer society. And I mean, obviously with everyone at a stay at home, home order um, in Michigan right now, and the softball season being canceled back in March, some may, might've thought that, Hey, this, this event would be canceled this year, um, but they are going to hold it virtually. So the players have already recorded their, their skills videos on, um, I talked with coach Terrell Hutchins yesterday and she gave an example of, uh, Megan Bowie and their star pitcher and how she throws her change up. So she, she did like a one minute video on that. And so, um, participants will get to interact with the athletes afterwards, ask them questions. And of course there's a bit large fundraising aspect that's in, um, included with it. Um, team, you can sign up and join a, a fundraising team. Um, on, on the American Cancer Society website, or there's going to be a live auction that's going to be beginning on Thursday night at 6, 6 p.m. as well, at the same time as when the Academy will go live. Um, certain prizes such as uh, a Michigan basketball experience with Jawan Howard and, and the basketball program where you could go, go to a practice when, whenever, whenever that might be next year. Um, maybe and, I'll maybe I'll bid on that one. Yeah, there, yeah, there, there you go. You get some inside access there. Uh, a golf lesson with a women's golf coach. Those those sorts of things. So it's good to hear that that there's still uh, uh, cancer's not going away, even though there's a there's a pandemic going on. So I'm glad to, glad to see that's still going on, and it's it's for a good cause. Yeah, it's a fun thing. We've both been to it before. If they can capture some of the the uniqueness of that experience even you know in the virtual setting that would be a great thing um well everyone out there thanks for listening uh this has been this episode of the wolverine confidential podcast